Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So this section of the Satipatthana Sutta is called Mindfulness of the Sixth Sense Base. The Sixth Sense Base, again, it's a rather um, strange term, I guess, but it simply refers to our five physical senses and that sixth sense of consciousness. Uh, this is, you'll hear me say often, uh, those that have been coming to class have heard me say it often, that the Dhamma is not practiced in the past and it cannot be practiced in the future, obviously. The Dhamma is practiced right here and right now at the point of contact, meaning as I'm contacting the outer world, whatever I'm holding in mind, my level of mindfulness, will impact that inner world. And if that, what I'm holding in mind is, is refined mindfulness as developed through an eightfold path, that, that contact with the, with the external world and the world's events will leave my mind calm and peace. Why? Because there's nothing to attach to. There's nothing to affect. I have disentangled myself from the world, and Laura brought this up twice, and that allows me to be mindfully engaged with, with my life as it occurs without sticking me in it, without the problem with me, or as the Buddha would say, the burden of self, meaning an, a, an uninformed, misinformed, ignorant self. And so as I begin my Dhamma practice, this is where my focus is. And how do we know that? How do we do it? How do we place our focus on, these, on the sixth sense base or the components of the sixth sense base? We do it through jhana meditation. And we do it by now understanding what takes us out of that concentration, that, that level of mindfulness that will allow us to do just this. This is what the Buddha describes that. is by being caught up in our hindrances. And so you can see through the Satipatthana Sutta the entire Dhamma, and you can see in each step of the Satipatthana Sutta exactly what to do with our practice and how to do our practice. The Buddha says, the Buddha's words, Furthermore, one remains mindful of the quality of the mind in reference to the sixth sense base. Listen to the words again. One remains mindful. What it, let's, read, let's, let's define mindfulness again. Mindfulness is a dispassionate, impersonal view of what's occurring. That view is occurring within a human being. But that human being is simply a reference point to what's occurring. That, that is what it means to have a dispassionate, impersonal view of the world. There's no me in it. I almost feel like doing it by Hiyasutra, but I usually try to squeeze that in because it says this really well. But I won't. I'm just threatening. <laughs> Furthermore, one, remain, one remains mindful of the quality... Would you turn that light off? Yes. <laughs> Furthermore, one remains mindful of the quality of mind, mindful of the quality of mind, a dispassionate observance. This is the fourth foundation of mindfulness, by the way. The present quality of mind. In reference to the sixth sense base. So that, the quality of my mind is directly tied to my sixth sense base. How is that? This is so interesting to me. I, it, I must have read this a hundred times before I really got what the Buddha was saying. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't have the context, so I didn't understand what he was saying about 
eye consciousness and ear consciousness. But what I'm saying to, to you is that the Buddha ascribes this consciousness that we're talking about, ongoing thinking rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths, to each one of our senses. And you think about the brilliance of that. The Buddha was able to see... The Buddha taught us to see everything in its discrete arising, meaning as each phenomena arises, to notice the discreteness and the uniqueness of that moment, but not to apply specialness to it. And what is that a counter to? It's a counter to us seeing everything from the point of view of me. And, and as a society, and as a so-called evolving society, we've created grander constructs to house that me. In the New Agey movement, that's this, this idea of a grand cosmic consciousness that I should aspire to and become a part of. Well, that's just a grand scheme of, of mass hypnosis and mass ignorance, isn't it? Because we're not simply part of one grand cosmic being sharing one cosmic mind. That's true annihilation. That's true annihilation, isn't it? What the Buddha realized is the, the complete opposite and counter to that. And by the way, that was the common pernicious belief of the Buddhist time. It's prevailed throughout time. And again, I, I won't get too, into deep, too deep into why, but it's rooted in the, the common tribe mentality that we all evolved through. And so this thinking of... I'm, I'm part of this grand thing whether you're seeing it as, as unity consciousness or just an ordinary human being trudging through life, you're missing the point. I am unique. I am sovereign. And I need to claim that for myself if I'm to take control of my mind. That's not a selfish establishment of sovereignty. In fact, it's just the opposite. When I come into my own, into my own realization, then I can let you be who you are. And I can stop trying to mani manipulate every other person in the world to fit what I want. And I think we've all done that, haven't we? And we all feel the tension of doing that. Whether we see it as, I'm not as good as that person, or we see ourselves as needing to guide that person in a, in a, in a fabricated way. Instead of being a reference point for what's occurring. Remain mindful of the I-form and that clinging that arises from the I-form. I see something I want, I want more of it. It's coming through this consciousness, isn't it? I'm perceiving something through this aspect of the sixth sense base, and the, the thinking that's associated with that I-form is saying, wow, I want more of that. In that moment, your I-consciousness caused you to lose your consciousness or lose your mind from that simple desire. And again, we all do it. It's the nature of a mind rooted in ignorance to give credence to things that, come, that we come in contact with as me or mine. An awakened mind, a mind that is simply a reference point to what's occurring, sees what's occurring in just that way. With a calm and peaceful mind as a reference point to what's occurring. Hmm. This person seems very upset. Let me stay present with that person and maybe they'll calm down. And we've all had that experience that when we're able to do that, oftentimes that's what occurs. Because we're not giving up anything to that person to push up against. It's really a, a, um, a very wise 
strategy to live in the world, to simply stop arguing with people. But at a deeper level, we understand why we do that, because there's nothing to argue with. What are we arguing with? We're arguing with ignorance. We take a breath, we unite our mind and our body, and we realize that if my senses are rooted in ignorance, what I am perceiving is ignorant. But if I recognize that what's occurring is simply what's occurring, then my eye form or any other form feeds peace, feeds calm, feeds understanding. And each and every moment is a moment of that deep connection to my own human life through the only means possible, through a dispassionate and impersonal eye form. Remain mindful of the eye form and the clinging that arises from the eye form. Be mindful of the arising of clinging to the eye form. Be mindful that when clinging to the eye form is completely abandoned, clinging to the eye form will not arise in the future. So again, Kevin made this important point. How do we know when we're progressing and when we've got there, gotten there? Is that the right way? Right phrasing? Because it no longer arises. We're no longer distracted by the, the baubles of life, the shiny things in life. We appreciate it. When we see a beautiful sunset, we'll know we just visited or experienced a beautiful sunset. But we won't need to have another beautiful sunset. You've heard, well, so you heard my story of the green flash. I won't get into it now. Or anything else that we find satisfying or fulfilling, especially if it's fulfilling a desire, we simply recognize it, hmm, that was a nice sunset. That was a delicious piece of cake. That was an unpleasant person. That was an unfortunate accident. That was a beautiful baby. That was a wonderful melody. That was a disharmony, disharmonious argument. That was an awful day. It was a wonderful day. It was a great moment. It was the worst moment. We drive ourselves crazy with that kind of judgment and evaluation rather than just simply staying present for all of that, for all of the gamut of life. And when we can do that, each and every moment has a profound meaning. Why? Why, Kevin? Because we're present with our life as our life occurs. The secret to everything in life, to be present for it, to anything, no matter what it is. You could win the lottery. If you're not really present for what just occurred, you're probably going to do what most lottery winners do, and go through it as quick as you can. And unfortunately, many of them end up blowing their brains out because they can't figure out what the hell happened. Doesn't it allow also for true compassion? It, yes, beginning with self. We understand that that lottery I just won could be the biggest challenge to my, my serenity and my happiness because we're aware of it. So we don't, we don't feed ourselves, we don't feed our ego, we don't become the lottery winner. We're simply a reference point to what's occurring. And I'm using kind of a silly example of that. But again, we do this with much more uh, subtle and insignificant things. We attach ourselves to them. We cling to them through this six-sense space, through what we come in contact with, because we're not well concentrated, because our six-sense base, our senses aren't guarded by concentration and refined mindfulness. So we simply cling to everything that occurs. Remain mindful of the ear form and the clinging that arises from the ear form. Be mindful of the arising 
of clinging to the ear form, a beautiful sound. Laughter. A bird singing. It's fine to listen to the beautiful bird sound in the morning. But do it in an impersonal, dispassionate way. Don't create eye-making over it. Don't insist that tomorrow's birds be just as melodious as, as yesterday's birds. Or don't worry about where the birds are when the birds have left, led, like the swan has left the lake. Be mindful of, the, of what is there, the absence of what is there in this moment too. Which might be just a calm and peaceful mind. And a mind that is distracted will not appreciate it, that calm moment, will it? Because it needs something in it. It needs something that reflects me in it. When there's no me in it, then I can just sit in this moment. Be mindful of the arising of clinging to the ear form. Be mindful that when clinging to the ear form is completely abandoned, clinging to the ear form will not arise in the future. The Buddha continues, Remain mindful of the nose form and the clinging that arises from the nose form. Be mindful of the arising of clinging to the nose form. Be mindful that when clinging to the nose form is completely abandoned, clinging to the nose form will not arise in the future. Remain mindful of the tongue form and the clinging that arises from the tongue form. Be mindful of the arising of clinging to the, to the tongue form. Be mindful of it. Notice when it's happening. Because it's not just an automatic or a knee-jerk reaction. Excuse me. Again, what are we talking about to be mindful of it? It's a dispassionate awareness that clinging is arising in this moment. How do we know it? Because our minds will be agitated. We'll, we'll feel ourselves grasping after more. What do we do with it? We don't judge ourselves. We recognize. We remember, hey, that crazy bald guy in Frenchtown said... Don't do anything with it. Just recognize that it's occurring. Remain a reference point to what's occurring. Be mindful that when clinging to the tongue form is completely abandoned, clinging to the tongue form will not arise in the future. Remain mindful of the body form and the clinging that arises from the body form. Be mindful of the arising of clinging to the body form. Be mindful that when clinging to the body form is completely abandoned, Clinging to the body form will not arise in the future. And here i got to point out something. that um, Clinging, the, 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 the three defilements are greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. Clinging is an aspect of both greed and aversion, and greed and aversion are aspects of the same, um, of the same desire. In other words, greed is one side of the same coin that aversion is. Aversion is just, if you, if you will, a negative kind of greed. I want less of this. But it's still, it's still craving, isn't it? It's still desiring that something be different in this moment. More or less than what's occurring. And once we decide that I need less of this, I need less of you, or less of, of something that's occurring in my life, I need less of being 5'6", and I need to be 6 foot. I need less of being bald, and I wish I had more hair. We're clinging to that. And it's the clinging that, that continues to create stress, doesn't it? Instead of just, this is what's occurring. I'm not clinging to any of these sensory forms. In this way, one remains mindful of the sixth sense base and the arising and the passing away of the sixth sense base, independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. What does that mean? It's the key to the whole Dharma. In this way, one remains mindful of the sixth sense base. A dispassionate 
impersonal awareness that yes, I have, sec- I have senses. And those senses can either inform me, to use biblical terms, these senses can either inform me for the good or for evil. But it's my choice, isn't it? It's my choice how I relate to my own senses. And for the first time in my life, a human being is teaching me how to do that. How do we become mindful of our sixth sense base? Where does it begin? Brian. John. <laughs> Man, we got, we got, how many, do we have enough gold stars for everyone tonight? <laughs> and Brian gets two? Yeah, and John, it's just that simple. Did you? It's just that simple. But isn't that remarkable? Just now I described the arising of all the stress and suffering in the world. All the the ignorant views that lead to the most extreme violence that we've ever heard of. And it all can be resolved by jhana. I'm not saying that it will. In fact, I know that it won't. The Buddha never said that it will. In fact, he knew that it wouldn't. But he knew that there was just a few people with just a speck of dust in their eyes. That's us that could understand this. And they could take to the Dhamma like their hair is on fire and awaken. This is who the Buddha hoped to reach and this is how, who we hope to reach. And it may sound exclusive, it's not. It just means we understand that this is not something that's for everyone, but I want everyone that is possible to, to, to develop this to hear it. And I know that might sound like a mission. It's not a mission. It's simply what I do and what we're doing as, as Dhamma practitioners. It's not a grasping after mission, is it? And how do I fulfill my mission? My skillful desire, my chanda, that as many people as possible take to this dhamma and awaken? How do I do it? I don't do it by screaming on a seat corner, on a street corner. I do it by sitting on my cushion twice a day and developing jhana. It's the only way we can do it, and we're doing it. Because in that way, in that moment, when I am mindful of my breath and nothing else, no matter what was on my mind before or after that breath, in that moment, I am independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. Can we all do it? Take a breath and notice your independence. There's just a breath, isn't there? And in that breath is the whole world. Because that breath through jhana will take us to a world we never knew existed. Because we were never in it until just now. Independent of and not clinging to anything in the world, this is how one remains mindful of the sixth sense pace in and of themselves. With no me in it. In and of themselves. Just as we are. That's what that means. As we find ourselves. Not how you find me. As I find myself in this moment, in and of myself, this is who I am. And no matter what I might think of myself in this moment, I know that if I'm supposed to, ha- if I'm going to have a human life, I have to accept myself just as I am. Even when I'm confronting some difficult emotions, I take a breath. I unite my mind and my body. I realize that I'm coming in contact with the world. And just a little bit more subtle aspect of this. Coming in contact with the world also means coming in contact with my own fabrications because they're not here, they're out there. Every one of our fabrications is attached to something out in the world. 
And so our view when we're stuck in the fabrication is always outside of ourselves. It's never here. It's never where the view should originate from a common peaceful mind. That's the end of this, this section here. So we're learning through jhana practice to simply, simply stay present with our life as our life occurs in and of itself in that moment. That's the essence of this fourth foundation of mindfulness. It feeds that fourth foundation of mindfulness that we're so aware of. Being mindful of the present but ever-changing quality of mind. When I'm not there, I can... I can it's, it sounds rather ridiculous to say, when I'm not there, then I can be there. When I've taken the ignorant me, the me that is, is fabricating life because it doesn't understand Four Noble Truths, when I abandon that person through an eightfold path, what's left? What's left? A reference point to what's occurring. That's its own reward. Um, as we go around, and, and if, if you have um, a confusion about that point or you think that it's not possible, uh, please let me know and let us know. Is it possible for us to be simply a reference point to what's occurring? We'll go online. Steve, how are you? I'm good. How about you? Thank you for asking. I'm doing wonderfully well. <laughs> yes, it's possible. Uh, knowledge was going on in the present moment, but... Uh, According to Satipatthana Sutta, you have to keep in mind so much occurrence. What is occurring in your body? What is occurring in your perception? What is occurring in your quality of mind? What is occurring uh, what's going on with uh, five hydrants, uh, six sense of body? It's kind of like you create, if you follow everything, you create uh, a lot of fabrication even more. It's probably very smart going on. Thank you, Steve. The, uh, it, it does sound overwhelming, and it does sound like you have to keep everything in mind that I just talked about and we've all talked about this weekend. No. What you have to be keep in mind is a well-concentrated mind that can then that is supple enough to respond to discreteness as it occurs. In other words, we don't have to bring everything we ever intellectually learned about the Dhamma to this moment. We just have to recognize where we're being distracted by in this moment because that's all that's occurring. So it, it, it may seem overwhelming, but Dhamma practice is only practiced right here and right now. And so all that we can deal with right here and right now is from a well-concentrated mind viewing the world from the framework of the Eightfold Path. And that just takes a little bit of ongoing practice. Thank you, Steve. Becky, how are you? I'm fine, John. How are you? Thank you for asking. I'm doing great. Good. Um, I don't really have much to add to this tonight. I... I do just want to say I like the the way this retreat has been formatted going into one aspect of the Dhamma deeply 
and really every aspect of the dharma covers the whole dharma but mindfulness of course is the total fundamental teaching and this this has been very very enlightening to to go into mindfulness and to practice it to have a meditation and then to talk about what happened to you during the meditation as a retreat and and over and over again do that you learn you learn so much um so thank you for that and thank you for teaching uh, and thank you for teaching us becky you're 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 um what you shared this weekend is really remarkable you know and and, uh, and i know it's very personal but thank you for for bringing that to our sangha thank you Laura, how are you? And, and, and Laura, I want to thank you too for your, for your honesty um, with our entire group. I know you just joined us, uh, but it, it's remarkable. So thank you. Thank I know. I, I really appreciate being able to um, log on virtually. I'm so grateful for that. I guess I'm just thinking a lot about what you said. It's very complex. Um, so I guess it, are you saying kind of it's a, a combination of like sensory, sensory cognitive awareness and, and mental cognitive awareness, but not allowing, you know, ideas or thoughts to um, bias our perception of, of things or influence our perceptions of things to be, you know, wrong or wrong self-view, having right view. It's, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Yes, it, it's very tricky, especially at first, because we don't understand. We, it, it's hard to understand a, any view until we own the view. So that's an aspect of, of, again, using a lot of different terms, that's an aspect of taking refuge, which simply means, yes, I think there's something here for me. Let me do my best to develop this understanding, because that's, that's really all that we're, we're not We're not developing some spiritual power we're developing something that is very practical. And so the, 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 the teaching, the framework, is designed to get us to that point where we can see what we're doing to ourselves. And it's just that way. So yes, we're bringing in uh, different aspects of cognition to where it can do us the most good, which is right here and right now. Right. So a, oh. a, a mind that is distracted by its own ignorance of Four Noble Truths is always scattered, isn't it? And again, so we're, we're developing, as we're learning just in this one sutta, we're developing meditation. So it deepens our concentration so that we can be present for our life as it occurs. And that's, and that's just what you're experiencing. And sometimes when we do that, um, because we've been so distracted from our life and, and really literally out of our body, when we first start feeling emotions, it can be overwhelming. Because here they are. And, and and Dharma practice resolves that too with a, with a simple breath and, and gentleness. So, uh, I'm so glad you joined us today, Laura. And I think you know that I, I all classes are always, I, I stream all the classes we, we put on. Um, I encourage you to come here when you can, but you can always you can always join us on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's uh, let's go from the from the back row first. Dustin, how are you tonight? I'm good. A little overwhelmed. Um, just a little though, right? Just a little. 
I, I understand it, and I guess I have to develop that concentration because it feels a little bit like I have to be on guard to it right now, and that makes me feel like exhausted. Um, but I know over time that I'll build up more um, concentration and be able to handle it. Yes. But I, I, I think I understand it. Yeah, that 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 is it. Um, you only you only just think you understand it because you haven't had a, a, a an experience that uh, yeah. that allows you to own own this experience. It's, it's still conceptual to you, but you use the right word, uh, even though it might seem harsh. What we're talking about is guarding the sixth sense space, not allowing my mind to grasp after everything out there and yeah. simply be present with what we're occurring. And again, it's often presented that way. The Buddha often used those translated words to say. We guard the sixth sense space. We should. We should guard this. This is my house. Yeah. I don't want it influenced by randomly by everything out there. That seems contrary to the way most of us live. We're, most of us are taught that the purpose of life is to have every experience you possibly have and grasp after everything. What's that, that saying? Life is a banquet. Don't leave the table hungry. I say life is a banquet. Leave something for somebody else. And you'd be a hell of a lot happier, won't you? Not carrying that stuff around, so you're getting it, Dustin. You really are. Glad you're here. Nina, how are you? I'm good. It feels very conceptual, um, like you said. Yeah. There's certain things that like are striking chords, like when you talk about sensation seeking. Um, I definitely have that trait. Yeah, we all do. Um, yeah. Um, I like the idea of being a reference point. Well, that, that, that's, that's a good thing to have swirling around your head and, yeah. and, come, and come to grips with it because that's really what we are. And again, just, the, uh, just the, the conceptual image of that in your mind brings some calm, doesn't it? And, it? and it points you in the direction of where we're going. That's, that's all you need right now. That's all any of us need is that, is, you know, that there's a Zen, not that we teach Zen, but there's a Zen picture of the finger pointing at the moon. All that we're doing is pointing, all that I'm doing, all the Buddha is doing from 2,600 years ago, is pointing us back to ourselves. That's all we're doing. And it's a very gentle, uh, it's a very gentle approach, if I can use it that way. I'm glad you're here. Tom, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm very well, thank you, John. And uh, I know you're well as well, so I'm <laughs> uh, I was, not anymore. <laughs> Things change. But uh, I think the answer to your question is yes. Um, but I've, I've been thinking, I've had somewhat of a revelation today. I've gone back to Kevin's teaching, and then I think Brahm was the first to speak and about the clinging aggregates. And, and um, the revelation was how much power they have, um, how much light or energy they consume in their own life. Yeah. Uh, so to answer your question, yes, we have to kind of understand that and work through that. Yeah, and that's that's just what Dhamma practice is. And um, I, I, somebody, we we a few of us have talked about the conceptual aspects of this. Of course, that's how we all learn. We first look at something intellectually, and then we have, and I think this is what set, sets the Buddha's Dhamma apart from everything else I ever studied in modern Buddhism. Is he guides us directly to have that that experience of it. So we go first from something that is conceptual. Is something that is actual and practical and real, and that's what you're describing, Tom. 
you're having the experience of it. And I think we've all said that in one way or another. That comes from great teachers, too. Jane, how are you? I'm well, thank, thank you. No, I have felt a difference in my life as I, you know, a peace as I, as I gradually let go of the need to have things different than they are. That, that's the key, isn't it? Or am I able to just, you know, accept it? It does bring peace. It does bring peace. Thank you, Jane. Hello, Kevin. Over time. I think um, it's hard to add to all this, but you know, it is really coming and seeing for ourselves. It is conceptual, but once you meditate and once you learn these concepts and then you practice them, then you do realize that this is the path. This is the way it is. Thank you. Brad, good to see you tonight. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, thanks for your teaching. Um, it kind of <coughs> resonates with me. Um, I was just coming home from the like an hour-long drive, and uh, stuff was coming up, and I was, uh, you know, a little bit of feeling, overwhelmed feeling, and um, it was, do uh, I make a phone? You know, you're reach, reaching for something else to, to uh, calm that down. Do I jump on the phone? Do I do this? Do I make a phone call? And uh, just come back to your breath. I made a phone call, but uh, I was aware of it. So I was like, <laughs> all you need to do. Yeah. So. Come back to your breath. It was, it was good to hear this. So. Yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Hello, Brian. Hi, John. How are you? I'm great. You're Thank better. you. Yeah, okay. um, I'm better now. You're better now. <laughs> um, the self is a reference point to what is occurring. I think initially requires that intellect and those concepts to give you the the initial understanding, but then you realize you don't need that. And and once you don't have that and you don't focus on that, you can truly understand the intimacy of what that means to be the self as a reference point. Because there's no more attachment, there's no more clinging. It's just life as life is occurring. And it's, it's, again, profoundly peaceful and calm. Thank you. And thank you, thank you for using that word intimacy too, because this, this is the most intimate experience any human being can have, and it's getting to know who you are. The, 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 the Tibetan word for meditation, not that we practice Tibetan Buddhism, but the Tibetan word is gom, G-O-M, and what that literally means is to become familiar with, become familiar with your own mind, and that's that's really all we're doing too. Where I used to have a, a well, I still a friend, although he's passed now. His name was Robert Wolf, and he wrote this great book. And it's only the title of the book that I want to share with you. And the title of that book was What It Is to Be Human. And that's all we're doing. We're not doing anything extraordinary. We're simply becoming human beings. You could say that it's like a religion. We're becoming born again. You know? We're simply becoming what we were born to be, though. And having an ordinary human life is the greatest reward that any human being could ever have. I heard some time ago somebody said that, that we are not human thinkings, we're human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just be. Yeah, that's right. But mm-hmm. most of us don't know how to just be and live in peace. You know, we need it. Thus, John. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's it. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Good evening, Ron. Good evening, John. Professor. You're still good? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm a, little, a little ambiguous now. Uh, 
Neither good nor bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. It's been just wonderful up to here. <clears throat> um, I had a, a comment in my head about pretty geeky stuff about neuroanatomy and, and um, eye consciousness, but I realized it doesn't really need me to bring that in here. Um, it's, it's good to guard the six senses yeah. uh, to have a good practice. Yeah. That's all we need to know. That's it. That's all we need to know. Thank you. Hello, Mary. Hello, John. How are you now? <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, it's been a wonderful day. Um, it's been a great class, and all the contributions from everyone has been, you know, just really grounding, really nice. Um, this is so foundational. It is all the basics to either start or reset your practice or continue your practice. So much is in here. Um, and I just appreciate everything I've experienced today. So thank you, John. Thank you, Mary. Me too. Hello, Kevin. Hi, John. How are you now? Absolutely wonderful. Oh, all right. See how it changes all the time? Uh, yeah, I just want to continue with that. It's, it's really nice to hear everybody contributing online and here. And, uh, you know, our, our local retreat is uh, really turning out to be uh, quite something. So, uh, you know, that Hepacico moment, you know, this is how we can have that experience, come see for ourselves, you know, sit for a while and leave the world behind and hear some dominance. So thank you, John. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, I, I, you've heard this reference a few times. Come and see for yourself. It's one of the Buddha's constant admonitions. The, the, the Pali Sanskrit word was ehepasika, which means come and see. And the Buddha was always saying that to his students. Don't just take my word for it. Get past the concepts and come and see for yourself. And he didn't just leave us with, okay, how do we do it? He told us exactly how to do it, precisely how to do it. There's nothing taken for... Um, uh, it's nothing taken for granted. There's nothing. There, there's nothing taken. Um, I don't have to figure out anything. All that I have to do is follow the directions that this brilliant man gave us 2,600 years ago, and it still works. It still works. Right, David? Yeah. Good. Thank you. I like how you use discreteness in Steve's question about. Do I keep this all in my mind? And in some traditions, it's a 108-step contemplation. Yep. And how intimate is that? To grind through in a sitting 108 of these steps <coughs> versus each one's discrete. Yep. And as it arises, it passes away. And that's as simple as it is. But there's an intimate beauty of it. Yeah, so thank, you. yeah thank you. And it's, it's, it's beautiful simply because it's what's occurring. Yeah, it doesn't need to be any different than it is. Uh, okay, that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up because I think we covered a lot today. Um,
we'll finish with Meta. But we're gonna we're meeting tomorrow. I think uh, at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. The, the session starts at nine. Yeah. No Qigong tomorrow morning. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So we're, we'll we'll be meeting again at nine o'clock. We're going to have uh, two more sessions. David's going to teach, uh, and then Ram, as I said last night, is the closer. He's the goose gossage of our of our group. And then we're going to go. Uh, we're going to have lunch down on along the Delaware River. Uh, I hope you can all stay and join us uh, for that. Uh, and then we'll have our traditional picture and group hug. Uh, and start looking forward to our next retreat. Can't wait till it happens. Uh, just a wonderful day. All right, we'll finish with Meta as we always do. So again, find your relaxed meditative posture. Become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on metta. Metta means loving kindness. From the Karaniya Metta Sutta as restored by the Amaravati Monastery in London, England. Buddha's words. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud of demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing, in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful... Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming buddha Thank you. Peace.